happy Wednesday, everybody. It is Julie and Megan, and we are so excited for you to hear this story today. We have our friend Aubrey on, and she has got a really cool story to share. And kind of a little side note or a little teaser. Um, I was actually one of her doulas. It was um, me and my partner, Melinda, and I sadly didn't get to make it to the birth. Um, Melinda went, but I seriously can't even believe how awesome the story is. And I'm actually excited to hear it from her, like sharing it. We actually had scheduled like to go to lunch and hear this story and we never got to have that happen. So I'm so excited today to hear along with you guys, her version of the story. As usual, we have a review of the week and our amazing Julie is going to share that with you before we dive right in. Hello. I'm so excited to hear this story too. Um, Megan was just telling me a pitch about it before we started recording and it's fun to always have somebody local share their story with us. So um, I do have a review of the week. This is from Apple Podcasts and it is from Libby Wilger. And the title is My Safe Space. That makes me really happy. My Safe Mm, Space. And I love Um, her name, Libby. Libby. I know it's cute. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. So she says, I have been listening to the VBAC link from the very beginning and it has carried me through my own VBAC journey and beyond. I had an emergency C-section with my first baby in 2017 and knew immediately I wanted to pursue a VBAC with future pregnancies. I tried listening to birth stories on other podcasts, but initially it was too difficult for, for me to hear from first-time moms whose stories ended with peaceful, unmedicated vaginal births. The VBAC link became my safe space to hear from women who had been through what I had and had come out empowered, triumphant, and healed, even if they weren't able to have a VBAC. This podcast helped me to heal emotionally from my first birth experience and to surround myself with the research, support, and positivity, in all caps, that I needed to prepare for my next birth. These stories allowed me to believe in birth again, and they carried me through my beautiful healing VBAC during the height of COVID-19 pandemic in April 2020. Julie, Megan, and all the women of strength who bravely share their stories are changing the world with this podcast. Mm. Thank you for giving so many mamas the gift of education, empowerment, and joy while they bring their babies earthside. God bless. That gave me the chills. I know. That is amazing. I love it so much. Thank you so much for sharing your review, Libby. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. I love, um, I love it when people are with us from the beginning, like we've been doing this for four years now, four years. So crazy. And it's been a really long time and really fun to see people come around full circle. Like I was at our local ICANN meeting last night. They're starting up ICANN meetings again. Here. Oh, yay. Yeah. That's so awesome. if you're in Utah, look up ICANN of Utah County. There's meetings the third Monday of every month in Lehigh. And I will probably come to every single one of them because I just, you know, me and I love talking about birth and be back and everything. Um, <laughs> and it was fun because a lot of the people there, like it's been a while since we've had ICANN meetings and everybody there knew who I was. It was kind of strange walking into a room where everyone kind of knows you, but you don't really know them. It was just kind of just a little strange. I don't know. It's been a while since we've been in front of people, like real life people besides talking mm-hmm. on the on Zoom or whatever, you know? So it's just fun to be able to see and connect with people. And I'm excited um, hearing the stories of people um, when they found the VBAC link and there's people that have been with us at the beginning and have had their C-sections and then their VBACs and VBAC after two C-sections and there's I'm on there last night who's preparing for VBAC after three C-sections. And I love that VBAC after three C-sections is becoming more common. Like we're hearing four stories in our community, more on our podcast. I think it's incredible. 
You are tuned in to the VBAC Link Podcast with Julie Frankham and Megan Heaton, VBAC moms, doulas, and educators here to help you get inspired for birth after having a C-section. Together, they have created a robust VBAC preparation course along with this uplifting podcast for women who are preparing for their VBAC. Although these episodes are VBAC specific, they encourage all expectant moms to listen and educate themselves on how to avoid a cesarean from the get-go. The purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. It is not meant to replace advice from any other qualified medical professional. Here are your hosts, Julie and Megan. Okay, Miss Aubrey, we are so, so excited to hear your story. We're so grateful that you're here with us today. We are going to turn the time over to you to share this beautiful birth story. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Uh, (laughs) I actually was going to say I've almost been with you guys from the beginning. My daughter's three and a half. So she's my C-section and that's how this all got started. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That's awesome. I see. We really do. Like we have, we get emails all the time where it's like, oh, I've been with you from the very beginning. And we're like, thank you. Thank you for sticking with us this whole time. I love it. Yeah. And um, thank you for allowing me to share my story. I am super pumped actually. (laughs) Absolutely. So I'll just start with, yeah, my daughter's birth first since she's the C-section one. So right off the bat, so I am, I went and actually had an IUI, which is intrauterine insemination. And so she worked on the first round. So I'm infertile. So that's why we had to go see a fertility specialist, but it worked. And I had a pretty normal pregnancy with her, nothing out of the blue or anything. I did find out though, about two weeks before birth that my doctor told me, oh, I'm going to be going out of town. (laughs) And so that was a big surprise to me. Yeah. (laughs) And I had never even thought about that being a possibility. Um, So I just, she had told me, oh, everybody there that will be there will be awesome. You don't need to worry. And I did not think about it. So yeah, just fast forward. So it actually gets to two days after my 40 weeks. So 40 plus two. And that's when my contractions started. I was actually visiting the graveside of my father and it was really special that actually it's my contractions started while I was visiting him. And it was actually exciting because I, I had taken a hypnobirthing class. I had done a lot of work. What I thought work was mentally done to prepare for it. And so it just felt like super exciting at first and the whole car ride back, it was about an hour away. So I just, every five minutes or not five minutes at first, it was about every seven to 10 minutes apart. And we got to our apartment. I decided to do a little bath and that's when it just slowed down and stopped my labor. Um, and I just got bummed. I was super bummed. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. I've been waiting 40 weeks for this. So I hopped out of the bath. I shouldn't have, I should have rested, but I hopped out of the bath and was like, let's get this ramped up again. So I just started cleaning, cleaning the apartment, vacuuming, everything like that. And lo and behold, my contractions started right up um, again. And so they, they slowly got like closer and closer together. And even though I was working on breathing through them, I was managing them so well. And then about an hour later, I was like, these are clockwork five minutes apart and they're lasting. I can't even remember, but they were, they seemed textbook. And I was like, let's go to the hospital. I didn't want to wait for them to get even closer. And I it started to get to the point where I was like, I'm needing a little bit of help too. So we get to the hospital and 
that's like kind of when my anxiety kicked in. It felt really real. We got up to the tower or whatever where we get checked in. And so the nurse was like, why are you here? And I'm like, can you not tell I'm in labor? Had to do that little bit, even though I had like pre done everything. She still asked me a few questions. And so we finally got our way back and I said, okay, we'll check you in triage. I was like, jokes on them because I'm five minutes apart and I'm going to be super far along. But come to find out I was only three centimeters. And they said, well, we'll keep you for an hour and then we'll see. But an hour later, still no progress, um, which makes sense. But the contractions were just so intense for me. I was asking them, I'm like, can you do something for me? I need something to help with this. And I had forgotten everything literally from my hypnobirthing class. It just was so, I just remember being in so much fear. Mm. So finally they, I think they did administer, I can't even remember what it was, but a little shot to my bum and it kind of took the edge off, but not really. They said so maybe um, like morphine, maybe yeah. it or something. Sometimes they'll in that earlier stage, if it's really intense, just to give you a break, they'll give you like a little morph- morphine shot in the bum or okay. the leg just to kind of like take it away a little bit. Yeah, that's probably it then. So they said, well, we'll allow you that. But since you're not admitted, we can't even start an epidural or anything. So I was like, why isn't this on-call doctor allowing me to be admitted? It was because they kept saying that, well, on-call doctor thinks this and on-call doctor thinks that. And already I'm not liking this on-call doctor <laughs> very much. And so they said, we'll kind of come back in one more hour. So I managed through that one hour. I think I maybe progressed to a four So because I had made some progress, they said, okay, we'll go ahead and admit you now. And so that's when my like mom had gotten to the hospital and my husband was with me in the room and it still just was very fearful. I couldn't find a position that was comfortable for me. And so I basically asked for the epidural right as I got to my room. I just was like, I need rest. So and relief and relief. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And he was such a nice, I call him a nice old anesthesiologist because he was pretty old, but he actually helped me relax. He administered it and it was actually smooth sailing from there because my body, even though I hated not feeling my legs, I had that relaxation. And by, I think, so when I, sorry, I should have said, I checked in about eight o'clock PM. And so by five or six in the morning is when they told me you are 10, you are complete. So it actually helped me relax so much that that allowed me to dilate, which was awesome. But then, so they said for an hour, we're going to let you rest and descend. I had no idea what that meant. I was like, okay. (laughs) And then, um, then I think around six or seven, we started practice pushing And I think I knew from the beginning, like, that's a lie. This is not practice. They really want me to just start pushing. Um, And it was the coach pushing because they had me like push, push, push for like 10 whole counts, had to hold my breath. And it just was awful. I had heard and I had told them I had my whole birth plan and said I prefer not to have coach pushing, but don't think anybody cared too much to look at it. And I definitely didn't remind them because I was just in the moment. But Mm -hmm. So I'm in the middle of a few, quite a few practice pushes. And this is the first time I meet face to face with my on-call doctor. And he comes in the room and he goes, 
push, 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 push. And he sounded like a barking football coach. And I, yeah, I was going like, to say, what are we, what are we doing? What are we, <laughs> I'm like, what are you sprinting up a hill right now? <laughs> so shocked. My husband said he wanted to give him what for, but he was like trying to help me. And, um, and so I just kind of dealt with it. I dealt with all the coaching. I did not like the coach pushing. In fact, I, the holding my breath, they were like, oh, she needs more oxygen. So then they had to put the oxygen mask on me and that made it even worse. I just felt claustrophobic with that on. And then they would try to rotate. They're like, let's rotate her to her other side. Cause I'd been on my left. And every time they tried to rotate me, they're like, we lost baby's heartbeat or it's decelled. And so I couldn't move. I had to stay on my left side. I had to just keep the oxygen mask on and it just did not feel good. In fact, I knew I was pushing because I'm one of those people that pooped on the table. It was like, come on, you know, I'm working. (laughs) It was so embarrassing, but listen, poop is a good sign. It means you're doing things really well. (laughs) (laughs) And so, um, I pushed for an hour and a half and he, that's when the doctor said, okay, I need to probably give you the C-section talk because, um, she had not descended. I don't, and she engaged, but she had not descended one bit, not even with pushing. There was nothing from her. And so he said, you know, with all you look exhausted, I actually see a little bit of blood in your urine output. And with, we can't get you to move on the other side for your baby's heart rate. He's like, I could let you go for another hour and a half, but he says, I think the best option for you is just to have a C-section because this will just get even more exhausting. And I consented honestly, because, well, I took a minute with my husband. I, we talked it cause we talked about it because I did not want a C-section, although I had no idea what it entailed anyway, but we decided for the best for the baby, for myself, we wanted to go through with it. So it, it did go really well. The C-section went fine. I just did not like, I, right after the procedure, I was so shaky, um, literally so much to the point I couldn't even like hold her when I finally, when they finally brought her back from the NICU for the, her breathing, I couldn't even hold her. I was like violently shaking and that, man, I don't want to get emotional, but that was the hardest part was I couldn't even bond with her. And, um, but I mean, I was able to still, um, learn and work through everything and enjoy her afterwards. It just, I had, I feel like I had a rough start, especially being a first time parent. And especially because two weeks later we came to find out she had colic and I kept blaming the C-section for her colic. Cause I was like, she never got the microbiome mm. <laughs> from, from my vaginal canal. So I just knew at the end of all of that and the rough recovery of not being able to lift much or walk around as easily at first. My friend is who introduced me to you guys. And that's when I just knew things had to be different the next time. So yeah, that's, that's my C-section story, but then, okay. So yeah, Um, my, my son's story is completely like still baffling to me because I did not expect it. He also, so we had to go back to the fertility center. He took five or six rounds of intrauterine insemination. And we did not, like, we were actually close to them saying, hey, 
you probably need to go to IVF after this. But um, anyway, we were so lucky and blessed to get him on the fifth round. And he had a pretty good, like, good pregnancy with him. The only thing that I had fear about was the birth and choosing the right care team. And so at first, I knew for sure, I, I think I contacted Megan um, to be my doula right out of the gate. I think it was only five weeks along. Yeah, early. Um, early, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to secure you. And then I wanted to secure my provider. And I initially went to a hospital here with a midwife at the hospital, because I wanted things a little bit more natural. But when I went to my first meeting with her, she had I'd given her my whole story. And she had said, Well, She's like, I don't see a reason to not let you try. She says, but I do want you to consider having an induction at 39 weeks. And I would like to monitor you as we get closer. And just like things didn't sound uh, VBAC friendly. It, found, it just sounded kind of tolerant. And I got just that feeling of, oh, is this who I really want? Because I'd have, I don't do well having to fight for myself during labor. I don't want to have that as an additional thing to worry about. So I kind of had been keeping this other clinic in the back of my mind. And I went and I did a couple interviews with the midwives at a freestanding birth center. And they are an amazing team. And the thing that kind of made me feel so safe with her, she said, you just, the odds are in your favor if you come be with us. And that sounded really awesome. But I also decided to do one other thing, which was I wanted to go physically stand out in front of each place to see if I could get a feeling, (laughs) you know, like, Mm -hmm. does this feel right for me? So I stood out in front of the hospital and then I stood out in front of the birth center and I did not feel pulled to either one. And I was super like shocked. And I kind of figured out why later, because he didn't get delivered at either he, yeah, I'll keep telling my story, but I think that's the reason why my prayers kind of went unanswered was because he did not decide to come to either place. I did not make it. I would not have made it. So I decided, okay, around 20 weeks, you know, when you have your, it's like your anatomy scan, we found out he was not only he was, he breached, but my placenta was anterior and it Mm -hmm. was also covering my scar at that point, my C-section scar. And so they said, okay, this was with the birth center because I decided to go with them. And they said, we're going to just need to keep an eye on that because we can't have your placenta covering your C-section scar or sticking right there. It needs to move up and away from it as well as I breach, right? You got (laughs) to, I did not want to deal with a breach baby. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I did quite a few things. And this is actually something I pulled from your guys's previous podcast, which is why they're so amazing. A previous person had said she started talking to her baby throughout the pregnancy and how like she created a bond with them. And so I was like, I need to start talking to him. And that's when I started like having conversations at night. And I was like, hey, honey, you are a breach. We need you to turn. <laughs> and I started to like just kind of keep him informed along the way, like even like learning things from mama stay fit or Dina, like she, I kept telling him at night, I'd be like, Hey, remember when it's birthday, you got to tuck your chin in. You got to have the pointiest part of your head face down. And 
<laughs> Listen, just, those things work. They do. They just do. It did work. So by I had to have another scan later because we had to check both his position and my placenta. So around 30 or 35 weeks, I can't remember, but he did end up flipping. So I went and saw a chiropractor because I want to do everything to get him to not be breached. I went and saw a chiropractor here. I did the spinning babies, daily essentials, most days, not like every day, but I did that. I had like the red raspberry leaf tea and dates. I just wanted to do all the things I could to make this possible for myself. So about one week before I actually went into labor, my contractions started in the car when we were on our way back from um, the lantern festival. And I was so fearful. I actually was like, it can't happen now. It can't happen now. It was like a week before my due date. Mentally, I wasn't prepared. The fear came back. I just like, I feeling those contractions put me right back in the hospital, remembering how scared I was. And it was surprising to me because I just kept saying out loud, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. You've got to stop. We need to wait. And they fizzled out by the time we got home. And that whole week, I worked with, well, even throughout my pregnancy, I worked with a life coach about my fears. I did your guys's fear release from your, um, your course. I worked through, like I wrote out everything and then I did, I burned it. <laughs> I burned mm-hmm. my piece of paper with my fears and it felt mm-hmm. so good. Listen, oh. that is such an amazing thing too. In fact, Julie, um, has a whole recording on our YouTube channel, like about that, like how to do that. And it's so amazing. It really is. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's, that's partially like what helped me get to like being okay with whatever could happen, happen, whether I needed, because I was so afraid of things like shoulder dystocia, needing to transfer, you know, all those things. Mm -hmm. And so it just, it just needed to get out, be said and be burned because at that point I just had to let, I did all that I could and had to let the pieces play out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Just let it go. Mm -hmm. So, so a week later, it's still two days before my due date. I told my husband, or I had been feeling kind of nauseous all day. I'm like, I feel off. Let's go to bed early tonight. (laughs) And by early, I didn't get to bed till 11, but it's fine. I said, let's go to bed early. And so at 11, 17, I kid you not, I was not even in bed for 17 minutes when the first contraction came. And it kind of made me go, Oh, no, was that just like, did I dream that? And then five minutes later, the next one came. And I shot up out of bed. And I said, This is it. <laughs> and so I, I can tell a difference. Yeah. <laughs> I told him, I was like, you've got to stay asleep. This is I did not expect me to be fast knowing my C section and whatnot. I was like, we've got at least six hours, I want to labor here as long as possible. I went and started a shower bath for myself with Epsom salts was so great. And I let myself go a whole like 45 minutes and I was alone and it was awesome until it kind of like really started picking up. Like they were consistently already five minutes apart. The intensity just grew and grew with each one. So 45 minutes later, I'm saying, Justin, can you get out of bed? I'm needing hip squeezes. Help me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And so 
that's when we just, he's like, okay, let's text the midwives. So I send a sweet text. Like I've been pushing for an hour, just going to try, contracting. you know? Yeah. yeah con- oh, sorry. Not pushing. Wow, sorry, <laughs> Contracting <laughs> for an hour and things are going well. And they said, you know, just keep us informed. And so seven minutes later though, I kind of had a freak out because they just were ramping up so much. This is when I like, it's not like in a movie, this is not the part you'd want to see because I was frantic. I was kind of like on my knees in my bedroom and I was like, I can't move. I can't go anywhere. I was like, I picked the wrong thing. I need the epidural now. Get me somewhere. Fix it. (laughs) Um, It was a lot happening really fast. Yeah. So my husband, he, oh, bless him because he, he knew how much I wanted the VBAC. And he said, we need to remember what we want to try. He's like, what can you remember you want me to help you with? And I said, all I can think about is how funny it was that Gina said you can turn around on the toilet and sit there (laughs) while, while you're in labor. And he's like, okay, let's go try it. And so I made it there and it actually felt so good to kind of like sit there backwards and every contraction, I do not recommend this, but every contraction, I pushed my forehead into the wall <laughs> um, because it kind of gave me some more counter. Pre- and he was giving counter pressure behind, but it gave me a counter pressure on my head too. And it's just kind of what I did to cope. And that's when my husband was like, we need to get, you know, places. So that's when, let's see, I think it was at 12, 21. He's like, call my mom and then finally called you guys, my doula, mm-hmm. <laughs> my doula. And my mom quickly came and so did um, Melinda. So did Melinda. Yeah. And, and she so, was really close to you. So we're like, sounds like it's going. And so she's like, I'm going. I'm like, yeah, yeah got to get to her. I'm so appreciative of her. Cause I don't know if you would have made it Megan. <laughs> I don't think I would have. I, d- I mean, I wouldn't, I, I, I wouldn't have <laughs> cause I'm not that far, but right still like the way things were going I was far you know right you were far enough yeah so my mom arrived and she was kind of like wow don't you guys gotta get going and Justin was like yes yes we know we're trying to get everything you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) um and I couldn't really talk I just was in the zone and so my mom arrived the doula arrived and then he called Adrian and Adrian heard me grunting over the phone and says is she pushing and Adrian's my midwife. And I didn't think I was pushing. Honestly, I was just get it's how I was like, Oh, I'm just getting through the contraction. I'm making a grunting noise. Well, you know, anyway, mm-hmm. so I was like, actually, you know what, I think we can make it if you guys just let me go poo real quick. <laughs> and she goes, Oh, no, I'm on my way right now. Because <laughs> she knew what that meant. And I had no idea. I was like, guys, jokes on you. I really have to just go to the bathroom real quick. But she knew anyway, I'm so glad she was on her way. And she called us not too long after saying, Hey, if you need to call paramedics, this is going to be quick. But she luckily made it so she made it. And she when she got there, she set up a birthing stool right next to me in my bathroom. And it took a little coaxing to get me off the toilet because I did not want to move. But we ended up getting me on the birth stool. I was hugging Melinda while just because I needed to like hunch over and hug her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Justin was giving me the counter pressure still on my hips. And I they just 
switch back and forth. So neither one got burnt out. But at one point during, and apparently this is when I realized, oh, I really am pushing. And at one point during this pushing, I felt my baby boy, he, I felt him use his legs, push up into like, I don't know, my ribs and turn. I felt him twist and turn. I'm like, oh my gosh, he's doing it. He's doing what I told him to do. Exactly. Yes. I told him to get in the position. I was like, you do whatever you need to baby. Like it's fine. (laughs) And so I felt him do that. And at first, like I should back up a little bit before I felt that they put a mirror underneath me. And at first I couldn't see anything. And I was like, what if he gets stuck? What if he gets stuck? And I couldn't see anything. And so I decided I'm like, stop looking at the mirror to check your progress. Just let it happen. And after I felt that push, I was like, maybe I'll check now. And I looked down and that's when I could finally see his head crowning. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is it. He really is doing it. And oh man, the ring of fire. Yes, I (laughs) felt that so much. In fact, I probably, that's what made me every time I'd contract, I probably push a little too hard to push him out because it was just so intense. I should have eased up. (laughs) I should have probably eased up on it, but it was just so intense. And I can't tell you how many pushes it took, but man, he, he made it out and he did that slippery slide out. And my, my midwife prepped my husband to catch him. And this was super shocking because he's not the type of person that was like, I want to catch the baby or cut the cord or do any of this. But he was just right there raw and real with me. And we were just going through it, doing what we had to do, what was presented. And I, if I, I mean, I don't want to share with you the pictures, but if you saw the pictures of my face, I was just exhausted. I looked Mm -hmm. exhausted because it just was a whim, bam, boom, like two hours. I, calculated it. It was two hours and 40 minutes from start to finish. And it just blew me away. I did not think that it could be that quick, but I should say, so they had me like, after he was delivered, I they got my bed all set up and put all this like protection down. And after I delivered the placenta, I did hemorrhage. And so I was so grateful for my midwife. She administered like IV fluids for me. She stitched me up right there. It was such a turnaround, immediate bonding experience that I missed out so much with with my daughter, even though I was purely exhausted. It just was so much, so much um, empowerment. Yeah, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. The recovery, I should say this. So um, one thing that I have learned through going through the C-section and the vaginal it wasn't like one recovery was amazingly better than the other. They just had their pros and cons each. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm not saying like, don't have C-section or don't have a home birth, but they just have pros and cons and everybody's different. And it just is okay. No matter how birth happens. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's kind of my biggest thing that I, especially through my life coach that was helping me, my friend, she's now a certified life coach. I just, She's the best. I I really think that is what helped me. She helped me push through all the fears I had. And that's kind of what started me on my own journey. Like I actually signed up now. I want to become a doula and I'm going to sign up to be a life coach as well, because I want to handle not only the birth, but I want to help people through their mental 
that it's such a mind game for birth. So that's, yeah, that's my story. (laughs) Oh, I love it so much. And, you know, I, we have a client that we just recently was talking to and she kind of had a fast birth the first time, not fast, fast, but progress. It was 24 hours, first time birth. Right. And she is just so she's scared of that, like totally happening and just like being so fast. I'm like, there are pros and cons to fast birth. Right. But like when it's fast, it's usually really, really intense. (laughs) So yeah. Like, (laughs) and then you're exhausted because it was so intense, so fast, but yeah, like I said, there's pros and cons. I'm like, I don't even know if I would prefer fast and like, like intense, or if I would prefer what I had 42 yeah. hour long labor. I'm like, I don't think I'd prefer the 42 hour long labor. Nice happy medium. Yeah. I'm like, if me. I could just be, yeah, <laughs> like a nice, yeah. Happy medium. Like I maybe even just like eight to 10 hours, but yeah. <laughs> oh man. It's just, it can get intense. So you are amazing. And I remember Melinda, she was like, dude, <laughs> <laughs> that, that was insane. I'm like, yeah, that sounded insane, but so amazing too. Like so amazing. You are just incredible. And you just let your body and your baby do exactly what it needed to. And I, I also do. I love, we love Gina. Everyone knows we love Gina so much. Gina's amazing. But like talking to your baby, connecting with your baby. Like there is something to be said about that. Like it, it's so real. I feel like I did that so much with Webster and people probably be like, what you just talking to your stomach. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and I was feeling my stomach and feeling him and saying like, okay, buddy, like it's you and me, like, let's yeah. do this. I'll be okay with however you come, but this is how I would love for you to come, you know? And, exactly. And that happened and it was amazing. And I'm so, so grateful forever. I will be forever, but yeah, I, I just adore you and I'm so grateful for you and your story. And I'm so excited that you are going the doula route and life coach route. And there's so much goodness and the life coaching as well. And I think it's going to benefit your mamas in this future um, more than, well, you've had it, but probably more than you even know, you're going to change people, people's lives. Oh, thanks. Yeah. That's, that's my, oh, that's my goal. I just, there's so many friends that I've even had that have had C-sections and they just, I mean, you at first don't believe yourself because, you know, you put a lot of stock into what a professional doctor will tell you. Like they told me, oh, you have such a small pelvis. And I've been told I'm small my whole life. So I didn't really doubt them at first. I was like, oh, they're probably right. Like this is just another curse of the smallness. And, but you know what, there's also something to be said for you know, educating yourself with other professionals as well, getting second opinions. And like you're saying, trusting your body, because when I learned, when I took your course, the VBAC link course, and I followed people like Gina, and I, you empower yourself with just more knowledge. And Mm -hmm. even though it might not work out how you want, the fact that you empowered yourself to know no matter what way it goes, I think that's what I hope any future client like would want like no matter how it goes I'll be okay so Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely should we talk a little bit about home birth sure yeah yeah sure have a little a little educational piece about home birth (laughs) 
I just pulled up, um, first of all, if you're interested in our course or VBAC prep course for parents, we also have a VBAC doula certification course. You can find all the information for those courses on our website at the vbaclink.com. And we also have a blog about home birth after cesarean. Surprise, surprise. (laughs) Um, I'm actually looking at it right now. So I can go over some of the data because sometimes all the numbers get smushed around in my head. But it's interesting because we have all of this data about home birth and its safety and things like that. But during the COVID pandemic, during 2020 and 2021, preliminary numbers outshow an increase in out-of-hospital births because I feel like a lot of people were being forced to choose, you know, having their supportive birth team at home or being really restricted with what they could and could not have in hospitals. So um, I love that home birth is an option in in most parts of the country. You're not going to face very much kickback. There are a few Southern states that um, really restrict home birth options there. And out in Nebraska, my best friend's getting ready to have a baby in Nebraska. She and home birth is just illegal there. It's illegal for midwives to attend home births. Uh, So they really don't have any options out there in Nebraska. So you got to work hard to create this advocacy and change if you're in that state. But um, there in 2019, there was a peer reviewed um, meta analysis and a meta analysis is a study that looks at a whole bunch of studies together. So it's really a more comprehensive view than an individual study would be. So in 2019, there was a peer reviewed uh, meta analysis of 20 years worth of studies on home birth that contained roughly 500,000 parents. So it's pretty good size study. And the study showed that low risk parents who have a hospital birth have no difference in the overall birth outcomes than low risk parents who have a planned home birth. Now, it's really interesting because a lot of times we'll see like, we'll hear a lot, even now, even last night at the ICANN meeting I was at, people were saying, oh my gosh, home birth just scares me. It just scares me so much. Or out of hospital birth scares me so much. And when you really look down at the difference in mortality rates and birth outcomes, they're very, very similar between birthing in home or birthing in a hospital. So there's that. If you're like a statistic junkie like me, that's really interesting for you to see. But also there's, you got to understand there's a little bit of different risks associated. Like the types of risks are a little bit different. And of course, if you're having a home birth, we highly recommend that um, you have a midwife that has attended many, many home births and that has a solid transfer plan in place of emergency. Or if you are going the unassisted route that you have a solid transfer plan in case an emergency happens. So you can get to a hospital quickly if it's needed. It's really cool because uh, this analysis also showed that parents birthing at home had fewer medical interventions and fewer cesareans. Megan, I know maybe you have a better idea of this than I do, but I know like some of our birth centers around here and our out of hospital midwives, their cesarean rate is like 5%, like 95% Mm -hmm. vaginal births, 95% successful home births. And they go on and um, ha- to have hospital transfers and some clients will eventually need cesarean, but we have really high, you have really, really high VBAC success rates at our birth centers and home birth midwives. Megan, do you see that? Do yeah. You- I, yeah. I don't know the exact percentage by any means, cause I'm not good with numbers, but yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, it's been mm-hmm. incredible. I love that. And the cool thing is, so not um, home birth is not for everybody, but there are four things where there are four criteria 
that you need to meet in order for home birth to be a safe option for you. And the first one is you have to have a low risk pregnancy. And here's like a little plug-in that having a prior cesarean does not automatically make you a high risk pregnancy. Like Mm -hmm. I'm going to say that again, having a prior cesarean or going for a VBAC does not automatically make you high risk in your pregnancy. Mm -hmm. Now you are at a higher risk for uterine rupture. That is true, but the risk is still fairly low and and it doesn't put you in a high risk category. So you don't need to see maternal fetal medicine. You don't need to see a high risk doctor or anything like that to manage your pregnancy. The second criteria is home birth is chosen, planned and prepared for. So a home birth that is planned and prepared for has better outcomes than maybe accidental home births do. Care provider involved is qualified and experienced in home birth. So you don't just have your next door neighbor come and help deliver your baby unless your next door neighbor happens to be an experienced home birth midwife. That's okay. Um, And then the fourth criteria is that your home birth plan includes a backup transfer plan in case of emergency. And like I had talked about before, Um, we know that it's relatively safe and most birth is normal, natural process, but every once in a while things happen where you're going to need more emergent care and you're going to need an expert involved. And so having a backup transfer plan in place is important in that regard, but yeah. And we have a blog about it. It's at the vbacklink.com slash blog. You can just type in HBAC in the search bar and it's going to pull up right for you. Or you can just go to Google and I think it's the second search result on Google. So yeah. Love it. Megan, what would you add? Nothing. You're just amazing. And (laughs) well, I guess I should say like, you know, when I was um, preparing to have my VBAC after two C-sections, people told me I was crazy and um, that I was going to kill my baby. I mean, just really, really awful things. And yeah, it just, it can be, it can be scary, but like, if you prepare, it is, it can be just as great. And I mean, and Aubrey, like she was planning on going out of hospital and ended up at home, but she still had her team equipped and ready to help her. And it was still really great. And so, yeah, I just think, doing what you feel like is best for you and being at the place that you feel safest is going to be the, the, the best place. All right. Well, Miss Aubrey, we are so grateful for you. Thank you so much again. We love your story and we are excited to share it with the world. Yeah. Thank you guys so much. Seriously, this, I am so glad you guys have done the VBAC link and keep doing it because it's so helpful for all of us out there. Would you like to be a guest on the podcast? Tell us about your experience at thevbacklink.com slash share. For more information on all things VBAC, including online and in-person VBAC classes, the VBAC blog, and Julian Megan's bios, head over to thevbacklink.com. Congratulations on starting your journey of learning and discovery with the VBAC link.